Welcome to the Ideas on Stage podcast, your regular insight into leadership communication. Hi, Steffi. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Thank you very much for accepting my invite. Today, Steffi, we're going to talk about your area of expertise, accessibility, accessible design in particular, which is very much connected to what we do at Ideas on Stage. We are going to talk about how to create and design accessible presentations. But before we get into the presentation side of things, for those who are not 100% familiar with this topic, can you tell us more about, in general, what are we talking about? What's accessibility and why is it important? Why should we care about it? Yeah, well, that's a good question because I think a lot of people hear accessibility and they're like, oh, that's so boring or oh, that means we have to design it really ugly because we can't do a lot. But what accessibility really is, the heart of it is that we're designing experiences, whether it's a presentation or a website or you know any kind of digital thing, we're designing it in a way that the that experience is equally good for anybody and no matter how they perceive or interact with the world. And it doesn't have to be the same. It can't be the same. I mean, that's impossible. It's an impossible ask, but it's designed in a way that um, people aren't left out. Okay. And out of curiosity, Steffi, how did you, uh, I know that you've been working in the design field for for some time now. (laughs) (laughs) And when it comes to accessible design, how did you end up in these in this field in this industry? Oh my gosh! So yeah, I've been doing, uh, I've been in the design field for a couple decades now. That might age me a little bit, but uh, <laughs> but as far as accessible design, that kind of started as I was working on websites, and I had to do. I don't know if anybody's familiar with um, quality assurance testing, QA testing, and we had to make sure it was 508 compliant because the government likes that and they get testy if some of your services aren't. But as I was working on the website side of things, um, I also noticed that in the presentation side of things, the brand was using being used the same way in both places and it wasn't the most accessible way possible. So um, what really triggered it was as I was going through these really boring tests, uh, a friend of mine that I worked with um, was talking about colors and we were in a meeting. We, we didn't get to be in person that often. I've been a remote worker since before the pandemic. Uh, and they put up a presentation and the title slide came up and my friend says, what does that say? Because <laughs> the colors were just so poor. It was like this bright lime green on this, on, on a white background and it was projected, right? So we know the projectors always blow out the colors. And so you couldn't read half of what was on the slide. And because I had a friend who was having issues, I'm like, well, we're going to fix that for you. Um, But what really hit, what really made me very adamant about sticking in accessible design was uh, when we were just starting the pandemic and my daughters had to do school from home. And um, just the way that school was done, 
I know it was all put together very last minute, obviously, and it was a really difficult situation, but for, there are also people with, you know, cognitive issues and anxiety issues and, and things like that. And there are ways we can design presentations and experiences and stuff like that to alleviate some of that anxiety, which was not being done as I witnessed um, my children just melting down and, and having these horrible issues having people staring at them all the time you know it was so i mean that just kind of sealed the deal and that's how i stuck in the accessible design area i'm I'm on a mission now (laughs) i love i love your mission steffi and and you talked about websites so you started with quality the quality thing with with websites (laughs) and correct me if i'm wrong but i think that when it comes to when people hear the perhaps the word accessibility for the first time or maybe let's say for those who are not experts a lot of people assume that accessible design or accessibility is just for websites whereas it's not just for websites right oh exactly yeah that's that's definitely i think a still a huge misconception uh because when you if you hear about lawsuits or anything like that, or any issues that people have with accessibility, it is 99% of the time it is with websites because that's what people talk about. But um, it's really about digital design and not web design. And so when you think of it from digital design, that brings in a whole bunch of other things, right? You've got your PDFs, your Word documents, your presentations, your, you know, everything that is on a screen it applies to, which affects our presentation industry pretty heavily, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you mentioned uh, lawsuits. Now, I don't know, Steffi, if this question makes sense or if it leads anywhere, but in preparation for this conversation, I was watching some of your videos. You've got some great playlists on, on YouTube, highly recommended for our listeners, both on accessibility in general and on accessible presentations. I think I found something where you gave, you gave a specific example, I guess, on a company that lost money or was about to lose some money because of what we're talking about. Is, mm-hmm. is, do I remember well? Yeah. Oh, there's, there are many, web, uh, many companies who've gone through this as well. Domino's lost a lawsuit um, with their pizza tracker and, and their, the way they were handling their design on the web. Um, and I'm, I have yet to see a lawsuit regarding a presentation. I mean, I doubt I ever will see a lawsuit regarding a presentation. Um, and especially because here's the thing with accessibility and the law. Yeah, especially if you're working for the government in any way, in the U.S. government specifically, um, I can't speak for all countries, but U.S. government specifically requires their vendors and whomever does design for them to make it 508 compliant, which is the accessibility side of things. But uh, so, sorry, Steffi, you mentioned 508. Mm-hmm. 508 is- compliance is a set of laws in the in the United States. Okay, um, but uh, when it comes to a lawsuit regarding accessibility in any way. Basically, if you show that you're doing your best to make something more accessible, not that it's going to ever be 100% accessible, it's it, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and it's easily easy to miss. But um, as long as you're proving that you're trying, and I'm not a lawyer, 
but typically you should be okay. <laughs> okay, good to know. I understood. Yeah. Uh, now, Steffi, let's talk about accessible presentations, okay? And let's talk about the audience, which is the most important thing. Now, if somebody wants to create and design an accessible presentation, let's say that our listeners today know nothing or definitely they are not, most of them are not experts in this area. So what do we need to know about the audience for us to be able to design more accessible presentations? What do we need to know about the people we are designing for? That's a great question. So in any given audience, whether it's online or in person, just know that there's always going to be someone who has some kind of impairment for lack of a better word, because not everybody calls them impairments. I, you know, it's someone might be deaf or hard of hearing and part of the deaf and hard of hearing community, which is not an impairment. It's a, it's a culture in and of itself, but they perceive the world differently. Not everyone perceives your presentation and your words and, and actions the same way. So we've got to take things into consideration, like how does it appear on screen? You know, colors are, are a big thing, contrasts. So if you have a, for example, if your text is really light gray and your background's white, it's going to be hard to read for people who are quote unquote, I don't know, typically sighted, I guess. Um, but there are a lot of visual challenges there. And then you have your community of neurodiverse people who, you know, people with brains that don't work in the average way of the human population. Uh, people with ADHD or on the autism spectrum or who have anxiety or, you know, whatever, um, especially people with focus issues. So there are definitely going to people be people with focus issues, whether it's a, a permanent um, thing or if it's temporary. So when we think of stuff like that, we have to consider how much we've put on the slide. You know, this is that basic design principle where we're like, please don't put a book on one slide and make it eight point font, and you know people do that all the time, and we always try to push good design principles. And I think a lot of the times we fail with that because we always get pushback. You know, we need to have it up there, and and we always you know preach, okay, you you are the presentation. This isn't a crutch for you. We don't need all that up there. But when you put look at it through the lens of accessibility, you can say there are people in your audience who have severe focus issues. You have people in your audience who might have dyslexia or have vision issues. So to help get your point across, to help get them to act on your CTA, you know, help um, understand what you're talking about, you need to take stuff off of your side. You need to make it very clear. And, and that really pushes that whole billboard design kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, Steffi, do you have any numbers or, or percentages maybe for us to understand the, the magnitude of what we're talking about? Like how, many, how many people in the world have some kind of, again, I don't, I don't have the word, but impairment, maybe, maybe, impairment yeah. different thing. Yeah. Um, well, okay, if you go the, the most average thought uh, uh, perception of disability, the World Health Organization, I think they said it's between 15 and 20% of the world's population has some form of disability that they're living with. Um, and that's typically physical. That's a typical, typically a physical disability. When you get into neurodiversity, 
it's right now anywhere between 40 and 50% of the global population that is neurodiverse in some fashion. So when you put all that together and that's just your regular, this is how I am day to day. This is permanent. It's not going to change. So that's a pretty big number already. But then when you throw in temporary or situational disabilities, like they're on a plane and there's a lot of sun coming in and hitting the screen and there's lots of screen glare, that's a situational disability. Um, or if you're on the Metro and it's really noisy and distracting and you're trying to, you know, intake some information, that's a situational disability. That, that includes everybody. That's literally everybody on the planet. <laughs> huge. It's huge. And this is an interesting one because I was thinking about it. When it comes to these challenges or impairments, now it's not just about accessibility. It's not just about, let's say, our body. I don't know if it's the right word, but it's also mm -hmm. about, for example, the, the technology that our audience has access to or the, the hardware they have access to. So mm -hmm. I think we also need to think in, as we create a presentation, we also need to think about the context and, for example, where will the audience be watching our presentation from? Yeah, right? that's a huge one. That's a huge one that I think is really, it's still really hard for people to remember that type of perspective because, you know, when we're, we're designing things for in-person events, we know that when we're in a conference room at a hotel or if we're in the ballroom, that we might not have internet connection. People are used to planning for that kind of thing. Um, people are not used to thinking, okay, well, we're all, you know, doing all of this remote stuff now. People can be watching me from anywhere, which means they could be on their cell phone in the country watching my presentation. And if a large portion of your audience is in that situation, you have to remember that they might have a really poor cell phone signal and it could be breaking up or lagging. And so design considerations to accommodate that would be, I really shouldn't be including all of the really heavily animated cool stuff that I designed, which breaks my heart a little bit because that's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> but there are certain situations when you really have to take that into consideration and maybe just stick with some, you know, gentle fades and dissolves uh, for that kind of uh, audience or environment. Yeah, or, or even maybe we're talking about uh, eight points funds uh, earlier, which, which we should never do. Right. But now even more, we need to think about, as, you, as you've just said, if somebody's mm -hmm. watching a presentation from a mobile phone, Mm -hmm. then the bigger the better in terms of right. typography and fonts, right? 100% yes, yeah. Okay, also just out of curiosity, Steffi, have you, in terms of trends, have you noticed any changes in the last few years, either positive or negative changes, if you think about, again, accessible presentations, accessible design, any particular trends? Well, I think... It's the awareness is slowly creeping up. I mean, the awareness in digital design in your, in your website area, that's, that's, you know, getting pretty up there and people are taking that into consideration in presentations and other digital media. 
it's still kind of new. It's a grassroots endeavor. It's someone becoming aware that this is actually a thing and then educating the people that they work with. Hey, we actually really need to do this. This is something we need to think about from the very beginning. And you don't leave it as an afterthought. You just plan for it. It goes faster that way. Um, I actually had my first client in the past year seek me out specifically so that I could create accessible presentation templates for them, which was huge. I was blown away. I'm like, wait, really? You, that's awesome. It was, it was the coolest thing, but yeah, we're still in the presentation industry. I think we're still in our toddler infancy, toddler years with, with regards to, you know, accessible design and being aware of it and, and actually doing it. Yeah. Okay. And here is a, a challenge that I see, Steffi. If I think about my listeners, Today, we have business, business leaders, business professionals, business owners. They create, they give presentations because they want to achieve their objectives, personal, professional objectives. Now, in most cases, they are not graphic designers. They're mm -hmm. not designers. So what's your view here? Do you have any tips? or so in general, how difficult is it for somebody who is not an expert in these things mm -hmm. to design accessible presentations? Um, I don't think it is as daunting as people might think it is. So not being a designer and needing to do this, I think the things that, the way to think about it is, okay, I really need to remember to make my slides like a billboard. They, I can't put everything on the slide and that's fine. We have speaker notes. We have, we have other ways to prompt ourselves to remember things. We need to remember to practice more so that we can, you know, <clears throat> more seamlessly go through these presentations without feeling anxious or feeling the need to put everything on the slide. Um, as far as visuals go, you know, make sure you have that breathable white space, but to test colors out, there's a really cool trick. Um, to see if people can read that, you know, if it's easy to read, if you can read it in black and white and it makes sense in black and white, then chances are all of your color contrasts are okay. And all of, all of that specific can get semi-technical sometimes color stuff for accessible design. If you print it out in black and white on a printer and you go through it and you see your charts, oh, okay, I know what's what here. Oh, this is easy to see. Oh, I don't have to squint or bring it up real close to see this light text here, then you're golden. So that's an easy trick uh, for non-designers to, to get that part down. But yeah, basically that whole billboard thing plus printing it in black and white uh, are two of the biggest things I think a non-designer can can be sure that will help them design accessibly without yeah. knowing how to. And know? the, yeah, and the, you're right, the, the billboard thing, the like trying to design slides like billboards. Yeah, we don't have to be graphic designers to be able mm -hmm. to do that. If mm -hmm. we think about billboards, in the end, the way they are designed this way, often in a visual way, a big image, maybe just a few words, is because they need to capture our attention in, in just a few seconds. If we are yeah. driving or talking to a friend or walking and 
we also want to be able to capture the audience's attention when giving a presentation. So yeah, yeah the billboard approach is, is excellent. And just out of curiosity, if you, if you don't have any examples, that, that's totally fine. But do you know any, it doesn't have to be a famous person, but any presenter who gets it right, who pays attention to to oh, these gosh. things? Anything that comes to mind? If not, no problem. We can move on, Sophie. Um, Let's see. Some of the most effective presentations. Uh, gosh, Nigel Holmes has a great data viz. There's one, it's a TED Talk. Uh, and most TED Talks actually nail it pretty, you know, right on the head. Uh, nail on the head. head. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> they get it right uh, and, and do really well there. Um, did, did you say Nigel? Nigel? No, wait, wasn't it Nigel Holmes? It was, it was, um, gosh, I have a whole bunch of his books. He does data viz. Yeah, not, not Nigel Holmes. Nigel Holmes still alive. <laughs> okay we can we can also oh, like yeah. offline we can talk about that yeah. we'll include the link in the in the yes. show notes yeah okay so ted talks in general these are good examples yeah usually i mean there are some ted talks that have some pretty hairy looking slides but for the most part they get it because they know how to get an audience's attention and keep them engaged and usually that does not involve a mess <laughs> on the yeah. yeah the typical death by powerpoint mm -hmm. with lots of text and bullet points yeah people yeah. can't read at least and at the same time yeah. oh and yeah. as someone who knows how to do that with data really well is nolan hames hmm. he uh he teaches a thing he says one second charts and it's not it's not to make them it's to understand them so when it comes to data he knows what's what um he's excellent at it Great, data visualization, I'll check it out because this will be useful for us as well. Okay, great. And you mentioned at the very beginning of this conversation that there's often this perception that accessible design has is ugly and, and boring and, and that's not the case, right? So right. Tell us more about it. Yeah, what's really funny as I go through and I teach it and when I speak about accessible presentation and slide design specifically. I write these talks out and I start laughing to myself. Gosh, this is the same stuff I preach over and over again, you know, before I did the accessible stuff. It's just accessible design is just rooted in good design principles in the in the principles of white space and good typography, hierarchy of text. You know, you've got your title and then a subtitle and supporting text and and it's just, um, you know, color theory, that kind of stuff. All of the accessible design stuff for the most part is rooted in pretty solid, good design stuff. The only things that you have to kind of add on is the plus, this extra, the extra items is when it comes to video, you make sure you have subtitles somehow. Um, if you have a talk online that people are gonna watch later, if you have a transcript of it that they can download or read, that gives you like super extra brownie points uh, <laughs> because, you know, we've got our uh, blind contingency or our sight impaired people who are not, no, if you're reading something, you're hard of hearing, not hard, hard of seeing. So <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
Yeah. And and Steffi, are there because you you gave us a lot uh, already some some practical tips like the the subtitles now the the live transcription and you mentioned a few other things oh like the black and white trick mm-hmm. that you mentioned earlier anything else any practical tips or tricks that we can consider to improve our ability to create accessible presentations yeah and actually some of it is all in how you deliver them as well so we say not to read your slides don't ever read your slides that's terrible but if you need to glance back at a slide so you remember what's on it so then you can talk to your audience about it don't start talking about what's on the slide until your face is looking at the audience because there are a lot of people who not only are deaf or hard of hearing but people with focus issues actually need to see your face and sort of have that re- lip reading pseudo re- lip reading going on while they're hearing you to be able to actually process everything so if you turn your face away and you're talking people with those um you know living with those issues or impairments are going to have issues having what you know knowing what you're talking about or retaining the information so that's that's a really big deal is your face is an accommodation for people in your audience please don't take your face away from them <laughs> Great. So you you show a slide, maybe you point towards it to to emphasize something, but then we need to make sure that when we say something, our face mm-hmm. is visible. Okay, yeah. great. Great tip. Any anything else? Any other tips or tricks? Mm-hmm. Either from a delivery perspective or again from a design perspective. Oh my gosh, let's see. For example, Steffi, let me let me make it easier for you. In one of your videos, you talk about a very simple feature that we have on PowerPoint, which I think makes a huge difference, which is the notes page view. Oh, yes. To, like, because okay. I, I, I think, I think Steffi, that this is something that like everybody is familiar with the notes section on PowerPoint, mm-hmm. but most people are not familiar with the actual notes page view and what that means, what we can do about it, what, oh. what, what we can do thanks to it. Yeah. It's, it's such a cool thing. I love the notes page and, and for a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, first of all, using the notes page and it's under view and notes page. You can see it right there. You can do a couple things with it. By default, your speaker notes will show up there, but you can just drag the speaker notes off to the side of the notes page and just leave them over there because then you'll have them forever. But that notes page will serve as an amazing handout. So if there's supporting information, all of that information you want your audience to know that you really wanna put on the slide, but they don't need to know right then and there, you could put that on the notes page. You can put graphs, pictures, data tables, lots of text, you can put anything on that page. And then you can print, make a PDF and send it out. What's really cool about it from a an accessibility perspective is that uh, a lot of good uh, best practices for accessible presentations is when you are able to, uh, when it's a good business idea, you know, and you're not making spoilers happen. Ahead of the meeting, send a read ahead if it's appropriate. Um, And then that helps people with focus issues get in the mindset of whatever you're going to be talking about which is super helpful. So the notes page is fantastic for that. It's also fantastic for takeaways. Okay, after the presentation, people need to have this information. You send them the PDF of the notes page. So it's 
it's so cool. It's not just get stuff off your slide. It's another way to help people focus and retain information. It's a great feature. It's, it's so true because what great presenters do is they separate things. What we need to understand is that slides and handouts or documents are not the same thing and they should be separated. Mm -hmm. So you're right, we should always keep our slides simple and visual. And then because I hear it all the time as well with the audience, with the clients, yes, but I do need to give them more information. Fine, if that's the case, then you can create a handout using, for mm -hmm. example, the notes page feature. And the handout includes everything you want, all the mm -hmm. details or the numbers or the charts, and you can distribute it to, to your audience before, during, after the presentation, depending on what works for yeah. you. And that's what great presenters do. There was another, another tip that you gave on one of your videos, which is around the, and I don't know if it's easy to explain without sharing the screen. Um, let's see, around the accessibility checker. Oh yeah, okay, so. What's that? Hands down, PowerPoint is the presentation software that has the best accessibility um, helpers and options and, and tools. So what the accessibility checker is, is this, it's a tool that runs the whole time you're building your presentation. And it will tell you if there's something that you need to be aware of that should be fixed or looked at. So it will tell you if some of your color contrasts might be too low and people would have trouble reading it. It'll tell you things like, oh, there are pictures on your slide. You should put alt text, alternative text on it it's missing so that if a screen reader, if someone's using a keyboard to navigate and the screen reader is announcing everything, it won't say picture 7453 or a screenshot and then the date. If you put the alt text in, it'll say, hey, this is a picture of Steph waving at you, say, you know, with her dog next to her, that kind of thing. So the accessibility checker is super helpful. Not only does it tell you what you need to look at, it also gives you tips on how to fix it and why you should fix it. So it's, it's wonderful. Amazing. It. And do we have a similar feature on other presentation tools? I haven't seen a similar feature on any other presentation tool. Okay. Um, Keynote, I haven't seen any. Google Slides, nothing at all. Um, Prezi, yeah, not mm. really. Okay, <laughs> so, I'll yeah. point that. Okay. And, and Steffi, beyond presentations, again, this comes from one of the things that I watched, one of the videos that I watched in preparation for this conversation that I found really interesting. You explain in one of your videos, even beyond presentations, how, and, and it's something that's very much connected to what we talked about already, but just in case you want to add uh, something else. Mm -hmm. You explain how we often design with bias yes. and, and what we can do to avoid it. Can you, if you have any, any other ideas that we haven't covered so far, can you tell us more about what are we doing wrong? Why are we designing <laughs> with bias often? Well, that's the thing. A lot of people don't even know that they're biased. They don't, they don't realize it because, you know, they're doing their best already and, and, 
but there are things that you don't really think about. So I'm sitting here at my computer and I'm building something and I am using my mouse, but not everybody uses a mouse. Okay. So if somebody doesn't use a mouse, what does that mean? How are they navigating around? Well, they're using a keyboard or something else, but that means that they can't you know, right click on something or they can't, you know, just kind of go wherever they want immediately and click on it. They have to go through a series of steps to get to it. So remembering that people interact with things in ways that you don't normally interact with them. It's important to remember that, you know, you you aren't necessarily the user of what you're making. And not everybody does everything the same way. So, and it's really hard to remember these things because, I mean, it's so inherent in me that I can see color normally, quote unquote, and I use a mouse and I have really great internet connection and I have this wonderful computer here that is up to date and everything. These are things that are completely normal to me and not everybody's going to just instantly think, oh, okay, well, my user might have a really horrible computer and you know they're out in the country again and and they don't have actual internet so they have to run everything off a hotspot and you know these are the things that you don't normally think about so overcoming your own biases takes time and practice and self-awareness uh and you know it's it's tricky you just have to start thinking about it once you know that people have them in general then you can start thinking about what yours might be yeah and it's so hard i guess because it involves it involves us putting ourselves trying to put ourselves in the audience's shoes and it's mm -hmm. very very much connected Steffi, to the core of what we do for example at ideas on stage when it comes to presentations and public speaking when we prepare, when we give a presentation as business professionals, as business leaders, the most important thing we need to do is we need to make sure that whatever we do, whatever we design, whatever we say, the way we say has to work for the audience. It has to be mm -hmm. relevant to a particular audience. Yeah. And I think that often we don't do that but often when we do that we do it maybe from a content perspective we do it from a delivery perspective but when it comes to this whole world of accessible design we need to pay a lot more attention to it yeah, yeah. and i think the big the key word for accessible design is empathy so you just need to have empathy. And we already work on that, especially if we're doing presentations and we're delivering presentations a lot. Empathy should already be a core, you know, value and, and tool that we have. But when it comes to accessible design, we have to lean on, on that even more. So you just have to yeah. be empathetic. Yeah. Uh, em empathy is a key word. We, we always say that when we give a presentation, it's their presentation not ours mm -hmm. it's always the audience's presentation it's very much connected to what we're talking about today mm -hmm. uh, also Steffi, maybe a, going back to some practical tips if if we think about two key things that we normally use key elements that we normally use when designing presentations color and typography mm -hmm. any quick 
observations or tips, uh, do's and don'ts when it comes to using color uh, and, and also typography? Uh, well, it's typography, yeah, again, that whole tiny font thing. But a, an easy tip for that is try to, once you design a slide and put it together, try to test it in a situation that is similar to what the audience is going to experience. So if you know they're going to be watching on their phones after you build your presentation, pull out your phone and run through it on your phone. How hard is it to read or see, you know, if if it's a giant conference room and there are people in the back and it's going to be a packed house, um, make sure you go to the back of the room and put it up on screen and maybe sit down in a low chair if some, you know, people might be obstructing your view in the front. So just kind of test that kind of thing. So testing for typography is a big deal. Um, I usually rickroll people when I talk to them about that with my slide. <laughs> I put the lyrics up as they get progressively smaller. Um, for color, I guess, yeah, the whole black and white thing is a huge thing to test for how similar the tone or value of a color is. But you can just think typically, okay, a a standard red and a standard green, your, your normal colorblind color combinations, the opposites, uh, are challenging. So don't put red text on a green background. Or if you're looking at something and you are, uh, you know, I don't have a better word for it, typically sighted, if you know you're not colorblind, but if you're looking at something and it seems to, I don't know, vibrate a little, it's like your eyes are puckering. Like, like when you suck on a lemon and your mouth puckers, but your eyes are doing that kind of thing when you're looking at something, chances are your color contrasts are way off. And then it's not going to be readable to people with certain types of color blindness. I love the, I love the, <laughs> I love the analogy. Uh, and also you, in one of your videos, you talk about you give another tip and you say that we should not use color as the only indicator of okay. meaning. Yes. Yes. So if color has got all kinds of baggage with it, uh, not only, you know, the whole color combination thing issue, but in different cul cultures, colors mean different things. So red is used to indicate a negative, you know, stop, warning, uh, you know, negative financial figures. Uh, in India and I believe China, red is a color of celebration and good fortune. So color can't use, be used as an only indicator of meaning because of some cultural considerations, because of some colorblind or visual impairment issues. So when you ever, whenever you have a chance, try to pair, if it's, Important to telling your story. Um, if it's a if it's a bad number, you can put a, a down arrow next to it, or a sad face, or a negative sign, or some other indicator that means okay, this is red, and red means bad. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't have to verbally say it, but just get some visual language going so that people understand that. In case they can't see the color, or if they're from a different culture, they understand what you're actually saying. Yeah, that's great. That's another great tip. Thank you for that. And Steffi, any particular books that you would recommend perhaps beyond your, uh, your own resources? Like if you, again, if you think about either accessible design in general, or maybe even better, 
accessible presentations. Is there, it doesn't have to be one, but just in case there is one that you really like, maybe one book that you would recommend to our listeners. This is funny. I can't even think of a book about accessible design, especially accessible presentations. Maybe that means we should write one. Maybe that's your opportunity um. then. Op open space for you. <laughs> Um, but maybe yeah. if you can't think of anything related to accessible design, mm -hmm. when it comes to presentation design in general, any... Well, you've got your classics for good slide design. You've got Presentations Zen by Gar Reynolds. Any of the Nancy Duarte books will help you tell a story really well and help you advance that for, uh, you know, slide structure. And there's some slide design as well. Um and if you're a really technical person and you're working on presentations from a very technical perspective, uh, Echo Swinford and Julie Turberg have a great PowerPoint template uh, book that goes into the real, uh, it really granularly in how to build a proper template. And by doing so, you know, you've got a lot of good accessibility things built in. Heather Ackman, she just released a book and it's about, it's actually um, Office, a, a Word 365, but she talks about accessibility in there in a chapter. And there's some really good information in there. Um, and yeah, that's off the top of my head, that's what I can think of. Great. Now that's perfect. And <laughs> if, if anybody wants to connect with you, so we are getting closer to the end of our conversation, <laughs> Steffi. If, if they want to connect with you, what should they do? Where do they find you? Uh, you can find me on find me on LinkedIn and, and connect with me there. Send me messages. I'll answer as much as I can. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, the Accessible Design Lab. And again, comment there or even send me a message. And I try to you know help out anybody uh, with their accessibility questions or needs. Or heck, just email me. Um, it's steffi at accessibledesignlab.com. And we can start conversations there and just chat about fun design things. Or boring design things. I can try to make that more fun too. <laughs> you, def you definitely do. You definitely do. And this is my, it's always my, I like to finish with this question, Steffi. And sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. It's okay. If you think about everything we've talked about today, we talked about many things, accessible design in general, accessibility, accessible presentations, tips, tricks, do's and don'ts. What's the most empathy? What's the most important thing? If, you, if there's one thing you would like our listeners today to remember and take away from this conversation, what is it? Well, I've said empathy a lot already, but I would go with one of my favorite quotes or paraphrases from Albert Einstein because it totally applies to your message and it applies to slide design if you think about it. Um, it's if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. And I think that helps people realize, you know, from, from presentation perspective, especially practice more, just, just plan and practice more so you understand it better so that you can explain it simply so that people have, you know, an easier time doing those takeaways or retaining your information. I couldn't agree more. And before we close, Steffi, is there anything else? Any any final messages from, from you? Any requests for audience? Any asks? Any any maybe yeah. a question? 
you know, yes. all I want is people to just be aware that accessible design is important. And if you start flexing your empathy muscle a little bit every day and just choose one thing to improve on, even if you, even if you improve on one single thing, even if it's very small, that would make me happy because it means that, you know, people are doing it more and it just makes everything better overall. Perfect. Steffi, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time and you sharing your insights, your knowledge. That was great. Let's keep in touch and all the very best. Thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. If you enjoyed this episode of the Ideas on Stage podcast, there are many more you might like. So please subscribe, leave us a review, and tell us what you think. You can find many more ideas on business communication at ideasonstage.com or by searching for Ideas on Stage on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and goodbye for now.